Welcome to LaGrave CRC's Sermon Podcast. In honor of Reformation Day, we will have an interview with Martin Luther. He will tell us a little about how he's changed and how he became a leader of the Reformation. Our scripture reading tonight comes from Romans chapter 3, verses 19 through 26. That can be found on page 1748 in your pew Bible. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew or Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood, to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Most of you know who I am, but if you don't, my name is Erin. I'm one of the pastors here at LaGrave. But tonight, I am here in my role as intrepid reporter for the LaGrave News and its associated media platforms because we have a very special guest. Tomorrow is Reformation Day, and many of you know that Martin Luther was one of the leaders of the Reformation. I bet his name comes to mind first when you think about the Reformation. So it is my great pleasure to welcome none other than Martin Luther, the renowned 16th century reformer. (laughs) Welcome, Martin. It's so good to have you here. I must say I'm glad to be here. I was on my way to Wittenberg where I had some important business, but I thought I would stop by and spend a little time with you. I must uh, admit that I did not expect to get such a warm welcome from Calvinists. Um, For people who believe in total depravity, you seem very kind, Um, but I'm glad that I can spend some time with you. Well, we may believe in total depravity, but we try not to live it. Now, Martin, what we are really interested in tonight is getting at the heart and soul of the Reformation. Everyone says it was a major turning point for the church. But what caused this big change? How did all this happen? Well, for me, it started very simply, really. Um, I did not set out to be a reformer. When I was a young man, I I did not dream of being a reformer. I I just wanted to be a good Catholic boy. Um, In fact, I was very intent on being a good Catholic boy. I really wanted to please God. I wanted to be a good young man. I wanted God to look at me 
and say, well done, good and faithful servant. This was something I thought about a lot. Now, I think a lot of young people think about that. I think young people want to grow up and please God. But for me, I think this was a little stronger than most. This burned like a fire in my belly. I mm. wanted to do the right thing for my Lord. So you were looking for acceptance from God. Did you find it? Well, honestly, no. Um, it burned within me, but I always felt God was too high and lifted up and too holy, and I was unworthy. Um, maybe some of you know, this is a good illustration of that, that incident in the thunderstorm. You've probably heard that incident. I was walking home one night, and a thunderstorm came suddenly upon me, and I was terrified. I fell on my face. I thought I was going to die. It was an incredible spiritual moment for me. Now, I know that you modern people think, you think a grown man afraid of a thunderstorm, what is wrong with Martin Luther? But this is you moderns. You think once you have a scientific explanation for things that you've got it all figured out. You think that because you know that thunder is just warm air bouncing around, that God is not in it. I'm telling you, you're not always right. God was in my thunderstorm, and he was telling me that I was not worthy. In that thunder, I heard God saying that I was vain and that I was proud and that I was not pleasing to him. And I was so afraid and so devastated by that, I said, I will become a monk. Why a monk? I was still trying to please God. And I thought, what is the highest call? What, what is the highest thing God could ever ask for some, from somebody? Become a monk. I was still trying to prove my worth to him. Hmm. Did it work? Did you feel accepted by God? <sighs> no, not at all. That was a strange thing. The more I tried to get close to God, the more I tried to please him, the deeper this fire to God to say, well done, good and faithful servant, the further he seemed to recede, the more I felt like a failure. Um, I felt, especially when I was a monk, like I was a hypocrite like I was a fake. Here I was doing this thing that was supposedly so holy, and underneath, I had the same old sinful thoughts and the same old struggles that I always had it made me feel worthless. I remember at one point in my, when I was becoming a monk, one of the things that you get to a point is that you, you lead mass for the first time. It's a sign that you're finally coming down the road and you're ready to be a full monk. I was going to lead Mass for the first time in the monastery. All my brothers were going to be there. My family came in from out of town. Everyone was there. It was supposed to be a great thing. It was supposed to be something joyful. I was terrified because I knew I would be holding the bread and the wine, and as a Catholic, I believed that was Jesus. And I thought, how can I, this unworthy person with unwholesome thoughts, be so close to Jesus and handle Jesus? I was shaking like a leaf through the whole thing. Afterwards, the parents, my other brothers said, good job, Martin, but I knew they were lying. I was miserable. I felt like God had forsaken me. Now, hold on a second. Everyone here is interested in what made the revolution such a powerful force in the church. And so far, all we've heard is how miserable you felt in the presence of God. And no offense, but a monk who is scared to perform a simple mass doesn't sound like the kind of person that would start a revolution. 
Well, I mean, it's fair to say that no one was reformed by performance at that mass. So what happened? What changed? You know what? I started reading the Bible. The Bible? Yes, the Bible. Sola Scriptura, right? That Bible, the most owned, most purchased book in the world, and sometimes the least read. I started reading the Bible, and it changed me. Well, what did you find in the Bible? That is a good question. I would say that there were two things, really. Um, one of them was Psalm 22. I remember reading Psalm 22. And I read those words of the psalmist that that skinny pastor of yours was nice enough to read a little earlier. <laughs> I said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from the words of my groaning? And I heard those words and I said, that's me. I feel forsaken and I'm groaning all the time. And I realized that the psalmist understood how I felt. But then I realized something more. I realized these are not just the psalmist's words. These are Jesus' words. These are Jesus' words. Jesus understands how I feel. And it completely changed my view of Jesus. I had always thought of Jesus as that high and holy judge. And I was trying to climb his mountain to get to the top. I always thought that when I met Jesus, he'd look at me. And he'd take out his black book. And he would look at all my sins and all the things I'd done and he'd shake his head and he would say, oh dear Martin, this is disappointing. Children, for me, it was, it was a little bit like you're naughty at recess and you're going to the principal's office. Or you're coming home with your report card and it was all D's and you had to show it to your parents. That's what I thought of meeting Jesus. But when I realized that Jesus also said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me and suffered with me? All of a sudden it changed. He wasn't a judge with a black book. He was a savior on a cross. He was working for my good. He was getting underneath me. He was coming along beside me, ready with his grace. And when I was having a bad day, he wasn't judging. He was putting his arm around me and said, Martin, how can we do this better? I love you. I will walk with you. Changed everything. Hmm. So that's one thing that changed in your life. What about the other thing? You said there were two. I bet it has something to do with Romans. You are right. The second thing I discovered, besides Psalm 22, was grace. Hmm. I told you I was always trying to impress God. I was always working so hard to be a good boy. And I gave my everything to that. And at some point I realized I was not impressing God with these efforts. The only th people, the only thing I was impressing was people. Mm. People were impressed by my feats of righteousness. People were impressed when I said I was a monk. When my mother told her friends that her son was a monk, they were very impressed. God was not impressed. God was not interested in my offering of righteousness. God was offering me free righteousness. He was giving it to me and saying, here, take it. All I needed to do was receive it with a grateful heart. Wow, and that's what Romans 3 is about. Yes, I mean, you heard it, you read it. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? I knew that. That's what I felt in the thunderstorm. But, and here's the part that changed my life, now there's a new righteousness, a righteousness that comes from God by grace through faith. I remember very distinctly one day I was meditating on Romans 1, 17. 
A lot of people think that that is the theme verse of Romans. Here's what it says. I got it written down right here. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And I started thinking about it, and I realized that I was going about it the whole wrong way. I did not need to climb the mountain. It was like the heavens had opened up, and I had been welcomed in. So you're saying that the Reformation was all about grace? We cannot live without it. Okay. Well, I'd like to shift gears a little bit. Those of us here know how you felt about the Catholic Church when you started out in the 16th century. But what about today? How do you feel about the Catholic Church now? Well, let me start by saying, um, I still obviously have my differences with Catholic brothers and sisters. We have some differences about the Lord's Supper and some other things about praying to saints. There's no question that there are differences. Um, but I also want to say that I never started out trying to reform, to, trying to, to leave the Catholic Church. I did not set out to be a schismatic. I wanted to reform the Catholic Church. Those 95 theses, where did I put them? They're over there. Those 95 theses, mm-hmm. that I, those were things that I wanted to give to my Catholic brothers and sisters so that the church would change, so that we give up some of its corrupt practices. And it was corrupt indulgences. The church was asking people to pay for their salvation, pay money to be saved, pay money to be forgiven. When God gives it as a free gift, this was outrageous. And it was also outrageous because it was poor people who were paying, people who couldn't afford it. And it was all going to the Pope, who was one of the richest men in the world. It was terrible. They were living like kings in Rome, and these these poor people were paying for salvation that Jesus offers freely in Jesus Christ. I could not take it. I needed church to reform. So I stood up and said what I said, and they kicked me out, and that's when the schism started. And has it changed? Yes, things are different now. Back in those days, my, my, I knew I had many good friends who were Catholics, even back then, who were good Christian people, many of my fellow monks. It was the leadership that was corrupt. And I think things have changed. Take, for example, the Pope who was Pope when I was there, Pope Leo, versus someone like, oh, Pope John Paul II, who I think was Pope here not so very long ago. Leo. Completely greedy and secular man. He thought more about hunting and fishing than he did about leading the the church. He used to wear his hunting boots all around the Vatican as if he was ready to go off hunting instead of thinking about serving the Lord. He used to give the highest positions into the church to the highest bidder. He was all about himself, a very difficult man. But John Paul, now he was something different. He was a servant. He cared about the weak and spoke out for the weak. And he knew about grace, right? Remember that story, that time he got shot, someone tried to assassinate him? And then John Paul went to the jail cell and talked to him and forgave him. That was an amazing thing. And when someone does something like that, they understand grace. So I still have my difference differences with my Catholic brothers and sisters, and I'm very glad the Reformation happened. It reformed the whole church. It's worth remembering and worth celebrating. But I am a little sad about some of the divisions in the body of Christ. We have a lot of things in common with a lot of our Catholic brothers and sisters, and 
I think we can all agree there are worse enemies in the world than some of our devout Catholic friends. Hmm. Thanks. Well, Martin, our time is running short. Is there anything you'd like to say to the people of LaGrave before you leave? Oh, yes, there is something I would like to say to the people of LaGrave. You know, I, I, I'm, I have a unique vantage point. I have the privilege of um, having died many years ago, being up in heaven. And I look down on, on you LaGrave people, and I see you running around so frantically. And I sometimes wonder, when I see you running and being so busy, 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 do you really believe in grace? Do you realize that it is grace that saves you and not your busyness and your worrying? Your hope does not come from all your busyness. It comes from your Father and His grace. Where's your skinny pastor? He needs to hear this too. <laughs> now, I understand the great temptation of all this busyness, right? In this world, I, I see this too. Busyness gets you many things. Well, people congratulate you when you're busy. When you work long hours, they think you are wonderful. It gets you promotions. They will make you CEO of the Hustle and Bustle Corporation if you stay busy all the time. But it will not bring you happiness. It will not bring you joy. It will not bring you love. And it will not bring you into a relationship with your Savior. And that is where your soul needs to be. So good people of LaGrave, take a break from all your restlessness. And every day, be still and receive your Father's grace and know that that is what saves you. You know, people in our culture, they easily make a God out of success. And success is the least gracious God you can imagine. Success demands a human sacrifice, and the human to be sacrificed is you. Hmm. Well, thank you, Martin. It's been wonderful to have you. It's been good to be here. So that over there, that's, those are your 95 theses? Indeed, they are. Um, I, do you have a door anywhere that I could nail them to? We would prefer that you do that somewhere else. But, you know, when you said 95 theses, I thought you said 95 Reese's, like the candy. So that's what I brought, 95 Reese's for people to share after the service. Are you saying there are 95 Reese's candies outside after the service? Yeah. Hmm. Well, that sounds more like Halloween than Reformation Day. <laughs> but I like a good peanut butter cup as much as the next person, so I'll let it pass. Great. You know, would it be all right if we finish by singing that song you wrote? Well, ordinarily I would say that's wonderful, but I know that that skinny pastor picked that song this morning. <laughs> but there's another song which speaks of the grace of God, and I think goes very well for Reformation Day. It is before the throne of God above. It is a new song, but sometimes new things are good. Right, Dr. Visser? <laughs> so let us sing that. That sounds perfect. Let's sing. Thank you for watching LaGrave CRC's Sermon Podcast. 